Before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform. With AI-powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets. So you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, CMO at HubSpot, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO at Zapier. Today, we are talking about the disruption of content marketing in a world of AI. What we really want to tell you, though, is how you can shift to be a creator-first content organization from a traditional content organization, because that is going to be the key to winning in this AI world. We're going to talk about how AI is commoditizing content creation, how some of the old content playbooks are broken, and the new plays that are going to take you into the future. So, Kieran, you and I built our careers in what was called inbound marketing. Some people called it content marketing, but basically creating content. At first, it was text, then it was audio, then it was video, online to basically build brand awareness and pull people into your business through blog posts, videos, et cetera. And you and I both were talking off air that we think AI is going to totally disrupt this playbook. And I would love it if you'd break down for people, why do you think that's the case? What is AI actually going to do to the content marketing playbook? Right. I think if we go back in time and we talk about this. Oh, I like a time machine. A lot of times. So in my marketing grew in popularity because consumer consumption habits dramatically changed, right? Like as the internet grew in popularity, people wanted to do a lot of their own research, a lot of their own work, and they wanted to consume content and get value before they actually give you a dollar. And so there's an opportunity there for B2B companies to start to add a lot, a lot of value through the blog, educational blogs we created, all the different forms of content Mm -hmm. that we created to give users value, to give them the education, to give them all the things that they needed. Then the other thing that happened was, you know, that really was the inbound marketing playbook, give value through educational content, and then sell you something when you've actually educated on all of the good things you can Mm -hmm. do for them. What actually happened then was, what we saw happening was consumer consumption's habits, they wanted more content, like not just educational content, they wanted like entertainment, personalities, the reasons that we built the podcast network, the reason that we built the creator program, like all of these different things, which is you wanted to be a part of that consumer's life each and every day. So not just be a trusted source of information when they had a question, which is like Mm -hmm. the educational content, But how can we be an ever-present part of their lives? Where I'm going with this is like, I think that you have a kind of tough balance to strike today where content online has become uber competitive, right? Crazy competitive. If you look across the different platforms, people who do this are really good. We had Trung on from Twitter. The people who are truly good at these things are masters of their craft. And what AI is going to do, I think, is going to create a bigger gulf between just the big batch of everything content and the small batch of like incredible content. Yes. Because it, it drags up content creators who are like, okay, into like the good bucket. I think it drags everyone from like being okay into the good bucket because you can automate a lot of the research. You can get a lot of great data points. You can get a lot of first drafts and you can kind of iterate on that stuff. I don't think any of the AI tools are good enough to ship something first time, but you can kind of iterate on it. You can start to use video tools to get some video in there. You can start to use images tools to get some unique images in there. So I think you get dragged into the good. And I think my question on content is like how much of the good people get dragged into the great? 
And I think great is still has this extra little bit of secret sauce, which is like the personality, the angles to truly create something that resonates with their audience, right? Like to truly resonate, to speaks yeah. to them. And so how does content change all this? How does AI change all this? So I think it basically automates away the research. It automates away a lot of the first drafts. It automates away a lot of the editing. I think it gets much, much better at creating unique content for individual personas. When you describe it a persona and you describe it some characteristics, I think it's going to get much better at being able to tailor the content for that person. It's fine now. It's not great. I wouldn't use it. I think it's going to get much, much better. I think it's going to turn most of our content into video. I think we're going to consume way more video tomorrow than we do today. Ooh, I like a bold prediction. Yeah, because it's so much easier for everyone to get their ideas into a visual form. That's really what we want, video. I don't know if that's true. So, okay. so the point you're, you're making to everybody is what I call like the change in information asymmetry. Before the internet, basically, a handful of media outlets, and if you were a customer trying to buy something, a sales rep, Either the media or the sales rep basically controlled your access to the information of that thing. How does this thing work? How do I learn how to do this thing? Or how much does this thing cost, etc.? Then when the internet came along and democratized publishing, especially in Web 2, we went from a few people being publishers to everyone being a publisher. And what happened, a lot of people thought that when that happened, we were just going to have way too much content than we could consume. And that's not what's happened at all. We have way more content than we've ever have, and we're consuming more and more content than we ever have. Like the craving of content consumption is going up with the level of content. And the point that you're making here is that we're going to move from a handful of gatekeepers creating content to every person being able to create content to an infinite number of robots being able to create content, right? And mm. so the, the supply yeah. of that content and information is changing dramatically. But the interesting thing about it, Kieran, is it's changing on both sides. Do you use Artifact? Are you an Artifact user? No. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about Artifact. Artifact is the new mobile app by Kevin Sinstrom, who started Instagram. And he has built a social news aggregating app. And I sent you an article on Artifact and I could see when you read that article, I can see trending stories throughout my network. It's pretty cool. Why haven't I got this? You did. You, 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 Am I you on it? Oh, God, I'm probably I on it. I don't even know. after you about it. You Don. just totally forgot it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Kieran's too busy talking to robots to talk to me. It's really the summary of this. But on every article now, so if you go into Artifact, you read an article, up at the top, you know how most reading apps have like, you can adjust the font size and everything. Right. They have that button and you click on that button and the top option is summarize. And it uses OpenAI and gives oh, you a yes, three yeah, bullet yeah, summary yeah. of anything you're reading. So yeah. not only are we drastically creating the supply of information, we're also changing how people consume information. Okay, this is the, yeah. I read like my entire artifact feed in like five minutes because I just kept summarizing everything. This is the part I've been thinking through. So I really like, I, your framing's far better. So like uh, we went from like offline where you had a few large publishers were the gatekeepers. When you came online and the internet grew in popularity, we shifted to companies could become publishers. And then as the internet got much more popular and tools became much easier for people to create content, yes. like a large population of the internet became creators. And now I think that the number of people creating content explodes, but actually a lot of that is done through robots with humans assisting the robots. But the interesting thing that you said was we thought we would have too much supply and not enough demand, but that wasn't true. We actually started to grow into the infinite amount of content being created. But I think one thing you said is really important because what happened was we've only certain amount of hours that we consume content, but we can consume more content because we shortened it all. Exactly. Right? Like look at the explosion of TikTok and YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels. And now we have all of these other aggregators summarizing all of the content that we wanted to read in your newsfeed. 
through text, even open AI, like one of the things that I do is I have an integration set up on the Zapier browser. And whenever I'm reading an article, I can click that and I can send a summary of it to my email. So what are we doing then? So like we're, you, uh, yeah, so are we just like big, like wonks of just like creating and summarizing, creating and summarizing. Like, are we just totally wasting our time? So we give robots a summary. Yes. And they take that summary and, and they, they create long form content. And then we turn it into a summary. And then on the other end, we take robots and we ask it to summarize it back down. What the fuck is happening to our society? So that this that's is the what marketplace. We're doing right it's now. a two-sided marketplace. On one side, you have people taking summaries and creating content from it. On the other side, you have people taking the content and creating summaries from it. The thing we don't have an infinite supply is hours, right? Like we only have a defined amount of time we can consume content. And so I think that there is too much supply and we are finding ways to actually condense that down. But I don't know now in my own brain, like what makes a great content creator in that world when that work has just become summarized. So I think what we've just done in the, in the first opening of the show here is try to paint the change and evolution that has happened and kind of set up where we are. And where we are is kind of maddening, where we're basically summarizing and then re-expanding, basically expanding and contracting information. What Kieran, I think you and I have done historically on this, anytime we take a step back, one of the things we'd like to look at is like, what is scarce? Right. What is the limited thing here? Because what we want to answer for everybody watching is, what do you need to do differently in your business and marketing strategy here? The thing that is actually scarce is simple, unique ideas. Ideas. That's what I'm going to argue. Cannot be replaced. The three simple points that are different than what everybody else is doing. We've used all of this content creation and content marketing a little bit as a crutch where we've just like, okay, cool. Well, we could talk about everything. So we will talk about everything. And that's kind of a distraction from the fact that we're unwilling to make some hard choices about what we really stand for, what we're really about, how we're actually different. And Mm. we won't have the level of thinking to get super clear about what we need to do as a business. So one of the things I'm going to offer for everybody watching, if you want to win in the AI era of content marketing, a world where agents are just creating and summarizing content, the companies that win are going to have very clear and simple messages that are differentiated. And this is like going back to the roots. This has always been the case in marketing. It's just becoming way, way, way more important. And then the other thing that's going to matter is the differentiated presentation, which you and I have talked a lot about in the past, we think it's largely personality-driven. Creators, having people that your audience can connect with because they can't connect with a robot, right? Community is a hard thing to disrupt in a world of AI. And so if you have real personalities that are delivering clear and simple information, holy crap, that is differentiated in this information overload society we're in. I actually have three creators I'm going to talk to and the unique the things that I think keeps them unique in an AI world. And we can debate if we think that can be commoditized. So I think the content that becomes commoditized very quickly, we've said it all along, is this kind of educational content. Like there's not really any personality or differentiation. It's just we can create this educational content and scale and help you learn something and teach you that thing. And we can get ranked in Google. That is under threat for sure. But let's go through three creators. So I think number one, AI cannot yet do what Trung can do. Like we had Trung on the show. Trung has unique personality, unique humor that he ties to business. So like if there's two Venn diagrams, there's like the business and there's the humor. And in the middle, there's like Trung. And he actually on that podcast talked about that was like very deliberate. He actually thought about how I could use my humor to differentiate myself in business. So that's like number one. I'll finish the three and then we should debate if any of those we think can be commoditized. Number two, Packy, you mentioned Packy McCormick, not born newsletter. He does these like deep 
deep analysis, but he has like very clear structured opinions within that analysis. So he like talked to AI, he had a really good one on AI, how AI was going to increase consumption. We should be like more optimistic about AI because it will just increase consumption. That article is the best article I've read this right. year. I'll, I'll find it and make sure. Because you're an optimist and so is Packy. That's the only reason you think it's the best. No, it's a good article, but no, you are an optimist. I think, it speaks I, I to your think heart. that is the best piece of writing as it relates to yeah, our future is. in an AI era that I have read so far in 2023. So I think the AI, it can help create drafts and research, but it cannot do what Packy did. And the third is like right. Mr. Beast. We've used Mr. Beast to death, but let's just use it for something, which is the idea. <laughs> Like he comes up with ideas that are copied on mass because the idea is so good. Like one of the ones uh, I watched recently, he's doing it now on lots of different things, which have you seen the ones where he goes and takes like a hotel for a dollar all the way up to the hotel for like half a million dollars? Yeah. And he's done that on airplanes. But like it's an, it's a simple concept and it's executed really, really well. So the first is like humor, but finding an angle that differentiates yourself. The second one is just being an incredible writer. Like AI is very far away today from being mm-hmm. that good at writing like Packy and having clear opinionated points of view within that analysis. And then the third is really just having incredible ideas and being able to execute on them. Those things seem to be valuable in content today and invaluable in content for. Like, how does AI commoditize any of those? All right, I have some arguments here. So on the Trung example, you say, what you're really saying is AI can't get the intersection of humor and like valuable information right. I think that's probably true. Today, especially because humor is so current and so sensitive to the person and the time, you Mm. know, and and there's a lot of nuance in humor and we all have different sense of humor. And so that's going to be a hard thing for a model that is trying to like extrapolate across a big sample to actually get the subsets of that. So I agree with that part of it. Then you're basically saying, what was your point on Packy? What was his differentiation? I think he has just incredible, it's hard, like, it is informative, so it does sit in the educational bucket, but it's educational with clear structured point of views, incredible analysis and insight. Yeah. So the article that you called out- I would say deep point of view and insight is his thing. point of view and insight, And I don't yeah. think AI today is great at deep point of view. So if, if you're keeping score at home, I think, you know, humor is a tool in your tool belt to protect from disruption. Deep insights and commentary on those insights are going to be very rare and hard for AI to do. And then the third part, Mr. Beast, your point was the ideas he's able to create. The idea is just so, like, I don't think AI will come up with that idea. This is the one I'm going to disagree with you on. I actually think AI is going to be very good on the idea side. Because if, okay, I, if you think about, Live. so so if you think YouTube about videos. ideas, what'd you say? I'll ask it for three incredible YouTube videos right now. You're going to have to need a better prompt Unless than you're that, making bro, but sure. <laughs> great, great prompt engineering, man. But no, in all, in, all, in all seriousness, though, great ideas are normally at the intersection of is something valuable to this audience and is it different than anybody else is doing it? And that is something I think you can teach a model to understand and give you outputs on. Again, I always like to argue against myself when I have started from the pro pros. <laughs> so funny to me. I don't know why you do so, that. So I think in that case, there is a argument to me that any idea can be got to through data analysis because you can analyze all of the data in terms of what YouTube videos perform pretty well, run it through an AI model, and the AI model can tell you in general what kind of idea will work well for that platform. But it can't tell you about new things because mm-hmm. it's going to go on historical data where I think it will fall short. I don't think it will come up with the next thing. It will come up with like, here are things that should work because they've worked in the past. But like that kind of bet that has no real historical context attached to it and you have not seen it work before. I don't think AI can do that today. And I struggle to see how it will do that tomorrow because it's so trained on like the past 
Yeah, but I think if you prompt it to think differently about what was left out of the past, what were the missed opportunities of the past? That I, Look, I think, are humans going to be better at creating those differentiated ideas? Yes. Is AI going to be able to do it better than I think you're giving it credit for? Also, yes. Of those three examples you gave, I think the ideation thing is going to be the first one of the three disrupted. Well, let me tell you, Kip, if you want AI to do that, our next YouTube video, you can have astonishing acts of kindness around the world, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Mr. Beast ripoff. Is that a, a, yeah, I guess that is. It Unbelievable is. secret talents of celebrities. For example, showcasing celebrities who can do unusual things. That probably that would work, by pretty the way. Well. It's not a great yeah. video for All us, right. but that would totally work. This one's not good. Extreme home makeover for a deserving family. Come on. Sure, it's a good thing to do, but it's not going to... You're trying to prove your point that those ideas are a lot of rehash of what Yeah, they're a lot of rehash. It's a lot of, hey, this is what works, so do do more of it. And and I think that is the danger of the AI content era. To get back to like our conversation around content marketing and what you as a business need to do, over the last decade, it was all about, hey, I find something that works and I do more of it. Right? Right. It's like, cool, I found this formula of a blog post, I do more of it. I found this way to promote my podcast, I do more of it. And the reality is the do more of it can now happen in minutes versus days or weeks. And so the effectiveness mm. of that thing that you're doing more of just gets yeah. commoditized, commoditized and so, so fast. fast. Right. And so what you have to say is... It's not about me finding one successful thing and iterating on it a bunch. I'm going to actually need five different successful things. I'm going to need five different ideas, five different editorial formats for my copywriting or my content. I can't just constantly iterate on this one format that's been working for me, Right. right? I think that's part of the future of content marketing. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love the show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. The path to success in content has always been find signals in the noise that something is working and then just grind, 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 grind. And like most people actually fail at content marketing. I think there's an initial batch who fail just because they're not good. That's not their, that's not what's suited to them. Kind of like me in the pre-AI world of like being a coder in the post-AI world. I am a badass coder. Let me tell you that. I debugged a file today. I (laughs) debugged that file and I ran that Python script. But right, content writers, like there's two places where they fail, right? Just didn't get started and then got started and found signals and then just didn't want to do the continual grind of like the repetition of that grind. Like I just need to repeat this thing over and over again, get known for this thing. And I actually will... How many times did you and I just tell each other that we are going to grind it out more than anybody else on the internet? Grind it out. That that was our secret sauce. (laughs) Yeah, we're just like, cool, we know this works. We're going to grind it out more than anybody else. And we're basically saying that that's gone, right? 
yeah, it gets commoditized. Like that line gets commoditized so much faster. And the other thing I would love to like touch on as part of that is coming back to this thing where you have like bad, okay, good, great uh, in content marketing. Like everything gets moved up, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. bad, you can become okay pretty fast. If you're okay, you can become good pretty fast. If you're good, the thing I've been trying to like figure out is like, if you're good, can AI help you move you to great? And if you're great, is there a next level now? Because AI has created this whole new level well, where you're going to get some writers and they're going to reach newer upper echelons of what they can actually do? Or well, does everyone just get moved up? I, to- I think there is a ceiling to what great information and inspiration agree, look like yeah. on, on the internet, first of all. But Kieran, what you're putting on to me, as I, I'm seeing it a little differently, and I want to see if you see it this way, which is the last decade of content marketing was built on what we'd call programmatic content, where it's like, hey, I'm going to create this thing. It's going to keep ranking in Google and I'm going to get visits every day, every month, right? We're making the argument that those strategies are going to become very commoditized. So that thing that I'm getting visits from every day, every month, is actually going to become less effective. I'm going to get fewer and fewer visits every day and every month and eventually get zero, right? right. And so I'm posing to you, is, is this the end of programmatic content? Is the AI era going to kill programmatic content And is it going to be just like hits? I have to have a hit. And if I don't have a hit in this moment in time, and I'll never have this like foundation of stuff that people are always like discovering me for, or can you have both? Like, what's your take on that? So first of all, the way you and I have always thought about content is don't create the content unless you have a distribution plan. Like don't create the content unless there's an audience for it, right? Start with distribution. So why does programmatic content exist? It exists because of Google, right? Google has been the best present for marketers to grow scalable content machines, right? Like it just has this inbuilt distribution mechanism that if you win on Google, you can build an incredible content machine for your business. If Google diminishes, actually their quarterly returns were not too bad. And there's a lot of good things coming from Google. But if Google diminished, then programmatic content does not exist in my mind. What actually does exist is what you're talking about, which is hits and brand. Like how do I create hits, get them out there, have people, me become synonymous with that, get them into my newsletter, get them into something that they can engage with me on on a continual basis, that is a far harder thing to do. And it's a different skill set, right? One of the things I was thinking about is maybe the hustle deal is more valuable in a post a Boy, do I have stories for you uh, that, that I can't share on air. But yes, keep making this point. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so HubSpot was a giant on the kind of content SEO machine, right? Like we mm-hmm. knew how to do that. We didn't ever needed to buy anything on that. But actually the hustle gave us something very different, which is hit makers. And we talked about this on the show previously, which is like, yeah, there, there's something to that hit makers. When you have a trunk in your company and a Steph Smith in your company, like you can see the ability to create hits, like there's a different type of skill set. And so in that world, a deal like that is actually more valuable if programmatic content starts to diminish over time. Now, I don't know that's going to happen. Like I actually have maybe softened my stance that it's never going to go away entirely. Maybe it just is a smaller percentage of what makes up your overall kind of distribution channels is programmatic content, but I still think it has a big role to play. And particularly over the next like 18 to 24 months, I don't see any like giant changes, but just based on my own behavior, I'm not sure what your behavior is like. I only use Google if I can't get the answer from OpenAI and Bing. That's the only time I use Google today. And that part oh, there I'm, is... I'm probably 50-50. Why is that? Like, why do you think your behavior has changed that much? Well, I think part of it is I'm trying to change my behavior. So I guess like that actually muddies the waters where I am forcing myself to continually go to AI for answers, not Google, because I want to teach myself to always think of AI first. And so maybe I'm purposely doing that and everyone else is still going to Google much, much more. But I do find like Bing AI a much easier experience to navigate around most of the questions I have because I can just iterate. We've talked about this. You just iterate it through much, much faster. 
So I think to coming all the way back to your point, programmatic content has been the linchpin for most companies in terms of how we grow distribution engines. And I think it still will remain that, but over time may start to diminish. I think hit makers are going to become such an important part of how we actually grow our company. And the other thing is, I think if you actually believe that, you would say that most brands have to drastically change how they show up on the internet. Because yes. you can't show up and like, we are like here to be a helpful brand and we love you <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. Like you actually have to like be something on the internet, right? Well, like, so, so this is a good example. I don't know if I could talk about this, I'm going to talk about it. But like we were having this debate internally, right? Because right now we're like an every person brand. We're just like, you know, middle America, we're helpful. And it's like, we don't think we can be that in the future. No. You know, you have to be one of the other brand archetypes. You have to be a magician. You have to have some other differentiated point of view about how you're showing up for your customers, right? If we are saying that the internet will run on hits and people will gravitate towards brands with like unique personalities, and we've talked previously on this show about content marketing, all of the platforms that have grown over the last five, 10 years have favored personalities and creators, not brands, right? Correct. YouTube Shorts and TikTok and podcasts and all of these different channels, they don't favor brands. They do not. That's not where brands are going to be able to show up. It's where creators, distinct personalities, points of view, things to say are going to show up. And it's going to be a weird, awkward thing for brands trying to like move more into that world if we start to like blue scalable programmatic content over here. Yeah. So if you think about it, you're watching this show and you're like, all right, what the hell does this all mean? Uh, I think it means a few things. It means... Please summarize. Well, no, it, it, means, it means a lot. And I think we've covered some of those takeaways as we've got on. But at the same time, it used to be brands were the only people that had money and could make the economics of like really creating regularly work. Right. And that's not true. There's a ton of great economics for individual creators and the formats have evolved with those economies. And for a brand to be a creator now, it probably needs to partner with other existing creators and employ creators and that the brand is really the sum of its creator presence versus the brand itself, right? And that you need to have those creators and then also have a differentiated brand story so that when they're promoting your product or they're communicating your brand message, it's going to be highly resonant with your audience, right? Because one of the other things is that channels like YouTube, TikTok, etc., they are not direct response channels. They monetize at a lower rate than things like Google search or Bing search, right? And so you're going to have to evolve your strategy for how you monetize people who are consuming your content, especially on those video channels and lower to monetize channels. You're going to have to have creators and a way to work with and partner with creators much more. You're going to have to have a really sharp point of view and differentiated simple message that you are going to communicate to your market. Yes, it's always important, but wow, is that getting way, way more important in today's market with this flood of robot-driven content that's just being created and being summarized all the time everywhere. And then community, I think, matters in this, Kieran. Like, Huge. You have to Huge. be able to connect with the people who are consuming your content. You have to build community around your creators, which will then subsequently become the community of your brand. And yes, it's not going to look like it did before. And wow, it's going to be painful sometimes because there's a lot more people and personalities to manage than just like a single content marketing team in the future. But the companies that evolve and pivot there are going to be far more successful. The one thing that I'm thinking through in terms of content, like if I'm a content creator or a founder or a leader in marketing today, how should I think about this conversation? One of the ways that I'm thinking about it is, I think over time, 
distribution becomes even harder. It's become yes. harder over the past decade. I think it gets much harder. So what am I doing as a marketing leader right now? I am trying to own as much real estate as I can. I'm like, how do I own all the real estate today, right? I still have like Google and have these channels open to me. How do I get that real estate and then get those people onto something that I can have a relationship with them away from just Google, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how can I have my own real estate? How can I have my own center of gravity for my audience? How can I own that audience more deeply? And that may be community, that may be newsletter, that may be podcast, whatever that may be. You need to have things that you can actually have a recurring relationship with your audience on. So as distribution becomes much harder, you're in a much better position because you actually own audience. Yeah. You're not like going to be so susceptible to those changes. This is going to be the most important thing I say this episode before we get off the, the show today. AI is going to be much better at helping you convert more of your prospects into customers than it is for you driving distribution to bring in more prospects. Agreed. So the most successful companies are going to use AI in the short term to drastically increase their conversion rates. But while they are doing that, they're going to invest in distribution and community building. Because at some point over the next few years, all those conversion rate benefits are going to stop. They're going to commoditize. They're going to normalize. Exactly. And the only way to grow past that is going to be distribution, which is going to take a little longer. So don't put all of your money and bets just in that conversion rate basket. Divide them between that conversion rate and Know that you can do conversion rate optimization and everything much better and cheaper and faster in an AI-driven world and use some of that savings to invest in distribution. 100%. I 100%. Right? I mean, drop the mic. Like, I don't, that is the thing that you, done. you need to understand. And uh, everything gets commoditized faster. So the sooner you can be in the first bucket to people to like do this stuff in your market, the more benefits you get, the more real estate you can own, the more you can actually get that audience uh, and the harder it is to catch up. So this is our warning sign, again, <laughs> flashing up there, like you should be playing with AI. And just one last kind of yeah. quick TLDR for, especially like if you have content teams or you're in a content team, I think the thing I would say to you is like content becomes ever more important. It just continues to like change and adapt, but it becomes ever more important for how we actually communicate with audience all the way through our customer journey. And so if I'm a content creator, I'm really starting to push on the company in terms of hey, like we should really try these things. I've got some time back. I've been using AI to do research. I've been using AI to do first drafts. Hey, how do we launch this that has a different point of view? How do we do something differentiated? How do we talk to our audience in a nuanced way? It's something that no one else is doing. Like be the person that pushes your company to do something different. I think your content team is like your team mm -hmm. of creators. Like they should behave like creators on the internet and drive that personality, drive that point of view, drive that areas of differentiation. And that's what you want to see from your content team in the future. I could not agree more with you. This is our perspective on how the content marketing landscape is going to change, how inbound marketing is evolved, and it's going to keep evolving. We're going to have future shows on this, but something we've been going back and forth on, WhatsApping a ton about. So we wanted to share our kind of intermediate thoughts with you all. And we'll be back on future episodes with more on this topic. But until then, this has been Marketing Against the Grain. And we'll be with you again real soon. <laughs>